0: You're listening to The Pipeline Show. That's right. Now, say my name. With Guy Flaming. You're goddamn right. Welcome back to The Pipeline Show. We continue on with our CHL Playoff Special, and uh, my guest has been Sam Cosentino right from start to finish here on the uh, episode this week. Now we move to the WHL, which uh, makes it an In the Dub segment for Dubnetwork.ca. Stay up to date on everything happening across the Western Hockey League by visiting DubNetwork. All right, Sam. The WHL playoffs get going this weekend as well. Uh, And in the uh, Western Conference, really interesting race to finish the season at the top with Vancouver and Everett in separate divisions but battling for conference supremacy and home ice advantage. Uh, Vancouver ends up being the top uh, team out of the Western Conference. Do you think they're going to be the top team when it's all said and done coming out of the West?
1: Wow. That's, you know... uh... I love Dennis Williams and I love the experience that Everett has. Dustin Wolf is at a Carter Hart, uh, type of season. You know, he stumbled a little bit down the stretch. Uh, but Vancouver, again, a really good team game and I, I like what, uh, their coaching staff, I think there's dynamite over there with, with Michael Dick and, and Jamie Hewitt. I think those guys have just done a, a bang up job. Um, you know, do you have an edge in goaltending between the two teams? If I look at, uh, Kendick and Minor, Uh, up against Dustin Wolf, the only thing you'd say is that there's just more depth in the Vancouver side. Mm. Uh, but if it's number one against number one, does, does any team really have an edge there? I don't know. That might be too, too close to call. So on the back end, you, you look at those two clubs and, you know, I think Bowen Byron has emerged as a first team Western Conference WHL All-Star. He might be the best guy in the whole lot. He might, you know, be the best defenseman in the whole league. 26 goals. That's a lot for, you know, for a defenseman in any league. So those two teams I, I think are poised to meet here in the you know, on the Western Conference final. But the one thing is that I found interesting uh because of this playoff format, you know, Vancouver is gonna get Seattle here in round number one, uh in a one versus eight, uh, essentially, if you were to break it down in conference, but because of the wild card situation. Yeah. Well, that eighth place team has more points than the second and third place teams. Um, you know, in the BC division, or at least the third-place team, maybe two points behind the second-place team in Victoria. So, you know, they're, they're almost getting penalized, essentially, A, for playing in the bad division, but B, for finishing first and drawing a team like Seattle that has more points than Kamloops, who needed, a you know, a, a tie-breaking win to get in.
0: Yeah, interesting uh, the way it all works out with the uh, the whole wild card scenario. I, I haven't been a big fan, fan of it since they made the change, uh, f- I don't know, four years ago or something like that seems like every year there's some sort of uh, eyebrow raiser, and that would be the one this year. You mentioned uh, Victoria and Kamloops, the Blazers, on fire to finish the the regular season having to win the uh, play-in game against the Kelowna Rockets, and they did that in a lopsided victory. They might be uh, one of the hotter teams in the Western Conference going into the playoffs. Could that carry them at least through the first round?
1: It'll be really interesting to see what type of energy level that uh, Kamloops is going to come out with in that game, because... You know, you look at the the building was probably the best maybe I've ever seen it. Yeah, um, either through through TV or or through being there live. I mean, the, it looked like the '90s in there. People were going nuts. The building was packed. I think the tenants was six thousand or, or just below it. And In fact, I, I sent emails to all the the of staff after and said that was kind of that was really cool to see the building as alive as it was. Now the building never needs any extra juice when Colona's in there, as you as you well know. Those teams are about an hour and a half, two hours apart and, you know, they, they've got a, a an ancient old rivalry going on there. but are they going to be able to, in their first game, uh, regenerate the, the same kind of excitement, the passion, um, you know, the will to win as what they had in that Tuesday night uh, tiebreaker against Kelowna. So, I, I think there's going to be a, a little bit of a letdown. You know, having said that, Serge Lussois, He's done a great job since he's been in there. Mm-hmm. And and that was a really interesting coaching choice and one that had been rumored he was going to end up somewhere, whether it was Saskatoon or or Camus or one of the other open jobs. But I, I love the job he's done there with that hockey club. His challenge is going to be here in game number one, try and throw a wrench into the, the victorious plans, is to come out with that same passion and energy that they had to beat Colonial.
0: Now the other uh, interesting series in the Western Conference to start is Spokane and Portland. The uh, Chiefs Oof. were pretty hot going down the stretch. The Portland Winterhawks kind of floundering uh, below 500 in their last ten games. We know Spokane had won eight of their last ten. Uh, so two teams kind of going in opposite directions. Uh, how do you size up that matchup?
1: Yeah, that one, that one's really interesting to me. Um, that's almost a pick'em. I mean, I guess if you're a betting guy, you'd sit there and you'd, you'd put the line as a pick'em. 'Cause Portland once they get home and you know, Mike Johnson's gonna have he'll have his team ready and rocking and rolling for the playoffs and the Spokane Chiefs I think have they've really flown under the radar most of the year. You know, they've gone through some adversity and uh I think this is a hockey club when you look at some of their young players, you know, you got Jared Anderson Dolan, you got Ty Smith, you got Top Rosky, you have some guys there that can do some damage in a variety of ways. Um and so they seemingly have gotten some really good goaltending down the stretch, which I think was maybe not quite as stable at the start of the year as it was down the stretch. But will that young goaltending you know, will it be able to perform in the playoffs as it did in the regular season? Um and the same thing can be said in goal for for what's happening with Portland. Whether it's Hofer or Farkas or whoever they're gonna end up playing or they have to play both or or what the case might be. But that uh that to me is probably of all the series, you know, I talked a little bit about Charlottetown and Cape Breton, Yeah, but of all the series, I'd say that's probably the tightest of any in the
0: CHL. Yeah, hard to disagree with that. Let's For move. round one, anyway. Yeah, for round one. <clears throat> Pardon me, let's move to the uh, Eastern Conference. The Prince Albert Raiders have been the, uh, the the top-ranked team out of the Western Hockey League. Uh, they've got the, the Red Deer Rebels in the first round, and on paper, doesn't look like you give Red Deer much of a chance, especially with Alexander Alexiev on the shelf, but Red Deer has actually played Prince Albert really well this year. They've got a goaltender, in Ethan Anders, who can be a difference maker. But when it's all said and done, is Prince Albert just just too powerful?
1: I think so. But Brent Sutter, you know, he'll have his team ready for the playoffs. They they had to go and play some playoff hockey here in the last eight or ten games just to make sure that they had a secure spot. So you know, Brent Sutter no doubt will have his team ready and, and raring to go and that's likely worth one and maybe two wins in that series. But I think Prince Albert, you know, they've had a vision and it's almost like a team of destiny here. Um, you know, looking back to the uh, eighty five and, you know, thinking about how they've just had to kind of battle to get into this position. And Curtis Hunt and Mark Habshide have been patient with that group to build this team. Now they get five, 19 year old defense. They got Ian Scott and Cole. That's the foundation for me for good playoff success is your back end. And I think they have that in place maybe better than any team in the WHL. Uh,
0: the Saskatoon Blades uh, square off against the uh, Moose Jaw Warriors. Pretty good rivalry there as well. For a lot of the season, they were fairly uh, even in the standings. Saskatoon's really poured it on in the second half. Uh, How do you see that series?
1: Well, Mitch Love, I mean, if he doesn't get coach of the year, uh, You know, that's, that, that is really a, an awesome job that he's done coming in there. And you're, you know, you're managing a lot of different things there because you're in your first year as head coach. Now he's got plenty of assistant coaching experience, but you know, you look at Nolan Meyer and goal. Yes, he's a little smaller, but he's a guy that I know when talking to John Paddock going, all, going back to last year, he used to hate playing Nolan Meyer because seemingly he'd play so well against Regina all the time, but he has you know, game-stealing ability. And you look at Gerlach and Doc, you know, they've got some guys like Floorchuk. They really spread their offense quite well. Uh, so they're they a really interesting group here, um, you know, with a guy who's in his first year as a head coach with some expectations on him. I, I think Mitch Love will be up to that task. Now, the one interesting note about this series is because Saskatoon finished in second place, they're at home, and that probably suits Moose job better. For whatever reason, yeah. the Warriors just can't can't win home games. It's the it's one of the weirdest phenomenons. And you know, we we're in there and we we're talking to Tim Hunter about it, and he, it was tough for him to really kind of pin down what it was. Um, you know, I, I, and I I don't have an answer for it. That's for sure. But their top five guys, if they're healthy and they're playing a lot, which they will because they did all year, they can go out and win the games. So that series is going to be really, really interesting to me, especially if Moose Jaw continues to play the way that it has on the, on the road and can find a way to get to, you know, to get a win on home ice, maybe even two of them. So that, yeah, that's, a, that's going to be a fun series to watch. I think that's a lengthy one too.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Moose Jaw, they, they're, on, they look like such a one line team. That one line is exceptional though with Langan, Almeida, and Braden Tracy and two star defensemen in Josh Brook and Jet Wu. I just, I don't know if one line can uh, win a series. Uh, we'll see. I think you're right, though. That one could be a lengthy series. Uh, we go to the Central Division in the Western Hockey League, the Edmonton Oil Kings Central Division champs, uh, going from last place in the entire WHL to uh, top spot in their division. A pretty remarkable turnaround for this club. They go against the Medicine Hat Tigers. The Oil Kings have only lost two regular season games against the division all year, which is ridiculous. Uh, and the Medicine Hat Tigers—they are not a team that the Oil Kings should look past, though. How do you see this matchup?
1: Medicine Hat is—they're always in the playoffs. Uh, Sean Cluston always has his selection of smaller, speedy, skilled players, or guys who are four and five-year guys whose names you might not necessarily recognize, but until you pay attention to the score sheet a little closer, and those names keep keep recurring. So, you know that I think. Edmonton, you know, and I, I, just talked about Mitch Love being coach of the year, but Brad Lauer, without a doubt, should earn consideration in that regard, too. Um, you know, he has so much NHL coaching experience. Maybe, maybe that doesn't put him or maybe that puts him in a, in a, in a class above Mitch Love only because he's, you know, come from the National Hockey League where Mitch Love has had to come from the assistant coach in the Western Hockey League, but no question Brad Lauer deserves, uh, some, some consideration for that uh, award as well. But the Oil Kings, you know, eleven wins down the stretch. Trey Fixelansky leading the way for them. Um, they're going to be an interesting team to watch because they really get it done by committee. I mean, yes, of course, Trey Fixelansky's, you know, head over heels above everybody else. But they've really they've gotten their scoring done by committee. They play a solid defensive game. They're they're a fun group to watch. But I I have a great amount of respect for their club same way I have for the Ottawa 67, in that they play a solid team game. The only difference is Edmonton, as compared to Ottawa, has that one game-breaking guy in, uh, in Trey Fickson-Lansky.
0: All right, then you've got Lethbridge and, and the Calgary Hitmen. Uh, Lethbridge just finishing a, a point or two behind Edmonton for top spot, so they've been winning a lot of games down the stretch as well. Uh, and Calgary really hot in the second half, but uh, 0-4 in their last four going into the playoffs. Uh, this, uh, How do you see this? a matchup between Lethbridge and Calgary.
1: You worry about the health of Calgary a little bit, but you're looking at two 17-year-old goaltenders in McNaughton and Tedichuk who are likely going to carry the bulk of the Murals for their uh, respective teams. You know, where uh, Brent Kissio's team does have some experience is the last two years going to the Eastern Conference Final. And then you add in guys like Jake Lettishian and uh, Nick Henry now, and they have... um a real opportunity to take it to the next step. And that's what Peter Anholt recognized. Wow, that one ingredient we were missing. And I think he addressed that with that trade with Regina. So that's going to be a, a, that series I think to me is slightly in the hands of Lethbridge. I worry about the health of Calgary right now, but I think there's more weapons on Lethbridge.
0: All right. When it's said and done, anybody in the East give Prince Albert a a run for it? Or do you expect the Raiders to be in the WHL final?
1: I expect the Raiders to be in the WHL final, but I don't think it's going to be as easy as what they experienced the competition to be in the first half of the season. Yeah. You know, when they, uh, you know, that huge stretch of what 30 games where I don't think they lost in regulation or whatever it was. Um, and who knows if it does play itself out, then they're going to get the blades in round two. If, if everyone holds hold serve, then yep. that series could be a real humdinger. And I think that one would be a lot closer than maybe what we would have said if we were look, talking about this, uh, you know, on January 15th.
0: Uh, Sam, uh, before I let you go, the poll question to start the show was, uh, I asked my audience to tell me the three teams who would join Halifax at the Memorial Cup. I guess I'll, I'll turn that question over to you. Who do you think the, those three clubs will be?
1: Well, the Ontario one is going to be a pick', and I'd say London and Ottawa are probably on a collision course to to get to the to the final there. I have a hard time seeing anyone beating Rouen Miranda um in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, but you know you got Bay and Drummondville and Halifax to be concerned about there um in the Western Hockey League, you know. The way it's set up and the way it's kind of been looking at all year is Prince Albert against Everett and then Vancouver had its say at the end of the year. So likely one of those three teams. But if you had to pinpoint, you know, three teams, I I think I'm a little bit more certain about Ruan Miranda than I would be anyone else outside of Halifax uh, as the host.
0: Great stuff. Sam, listen, I really appreciate your time. I know uh, I took up a lot of your time uh, today. Enjoy the playoffs. Uh, Which uh, series do you guys have on Sportsnet?
1: Yeah, we'll be in uh, in London for game one of that series. Uh, Windsor Spitfires and London Knights, two kind of hated rivals. You get to see a little glimpse of the future with Will Cooley and uh, Jean-Luc Foody for Windsor and all the veterans that London has to offer. But I think I'm going to take a quick trip into Niagara and get a peek at game one uh, in that series.
0: All right, and as the playoffs go on, will you guys be skipping around to uh, other series or do you do the London series the entire uh, seven games or how does it work?
1: No. The way it's planned out right now is next Wednesday would be game four between Hamilton and Ottawa, and then we'd have a game four between uh, Guelph and Kitchener, and game five of that series if necessary, and then likely in early April make our way out to the Western Hockey League, which uh, I'm really looking forward to.
0: Excellent. Sam, as always, really appreciate your time. Great to catch up. Thanks for doing this. Uh, Maybe we'll see you when you get out west.
1: Yeah, right on, brother. It'll be a lot of fun watching the playoffs this year. I think we got a lot of good teams. I think our cup's going to be amazing.
0: Yeah, yeah, it should be fantastic. All right, man, I'll let you go. Thanks a lot.
1: Okay, buddy, take it easy.
0: All right, there you have it. Sam Cosentino from Sportsnet. He was the only guest on the show today, the entire CHL playoff preview. Uh, Thanks to him for giving me basically almost a full hour of his time today. He was driving down to Niagara to watch game one. Uh, of that OHL series and uh, we just we just get going and we uh, can't stop talking always appreciate uh, Sam coming on the show that's gonna wrap up this week's show no NCAA talk uh, no junior a talk no USHL talk uh, this week but we will catch up with all of those leagues next week playoffs are so raging onwards in the, the AJHL, the BCHL well, across the Canadian junior a uh, Hockey League NCAA tournaments uh, all conference tournaments will be complete This weekend, we'll know the 16 teams that are into the national tournament bracket. So obviously, we will preview that big tournament next week on the show as well. And of course, this time next week, we might even be through the first round for uh, two or three or maybe more uh, series in the Canadian Hockey League. So we'll update the CHL playoffs as well. So lots to get to next week. Reminder, if you want to have some early access, uh, this was this show, probably the only show where early access was not possible for uh, patrons but uh, most often the interviews i do are earlier in a week and they're up on patreon.com slash the pipeline show for three or four days before the show comes out Uh, this week was different only because it's a single guest and we did it all today so there was no early access this week but thanks to all of you who have signed up to be patrons at patreon.com slash the pipeline show and if you're considering it uh, that's the place to go to check it out You can always follow me on Twitter at TPS underscore Gee. If you have some requests for upcoming uh, 2019 draft spotlights, guys you want to hear from uh, before the NHL draft this June, uh, let me know. You can uh, hit me up on Twitter at TPS underscore Gee, or if you're a patron, uh, you can send me a note uh, that way as well. do have one request to get Ethan Kepin from the Flint Firebirds on the show. So for Stephanie, I will endeavor to do that before the uh, draft. Anyway, again, that wraps up this week's show. Before next week's show rolls around, make sure you get out and watch some junior or college hockey so that you and I can talk about it next week here on the Pipeline Show. Until then, my name is Keith Flaming. See ya.